week. How many of you are ready for Christmas? I am, I'm ready for a white Christmas. We have not had snow on a Christmas since we've moved here. And uh, I hear rumors there might be snow on Christmas uh, this year. So, so who knows? We'll see. It's Ohio weather, so we'll see whether or not that actually happens. But uh, I'm hoping. I'm hoping for snow. Speaking of Christmas and Christmas Eve and everything that's going on this week, this week is our Christmas Eve service at 5 o'clock, and I hope that you join us uh, on Christmas Eve. We have a great time worshiping together. It's just a, um, it's, it's an informal night, yet formal night, I guess. Uh, people, you know, you don't have to dress up, but there's a tendency that people come out dressed up and uh, take family photos. We'll have the uh, photo op out in the uh, lobby, and then we're just going to worship together. We'll do communion together, and uh, you know it's all COVID friendly. We've you know got those little individually wrapped communion horrible wafers and all that great stuff. But anyway, you know it's true. <laughs> Anybody who has a Catholic background, you might you might it might bring back memories for you. We don't mean to tr- to trigger any PTSD moments or anything, but but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, <laughs> so anyway, Christmas Eve service, 5 o'clock Christmas Eve night, and uh, then on December 27th, next Sunday, we won't be in the building, but we'll all be joining online, and so we'll have our virtual uh, family service next Sunday, it's just going to be a great time of worshiping together, you'll be able to catch it multiple times throughout the day, it'll be scheduled uh, online uh, multiple times so you can catch it. Uh, at some point, but you know this is shocking to me. It's two weeks, and we're in 2021. I, I hate to break the news to you, but uh, in two weeks, it, it's hard to believe. I feel like we're back. I somehow I'm still stuck back in March. I still I feel like I'm still stuck back at March 18th when they told me we got to shut the church down and and we got to look at doing sir. I, like I'm still back there. Maybe maybe I have some trauma that I need to go deal with, but I feel like, I feel like I'm still back there. It's hard to believe that we're actually going into 2021, and uh, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about all that God is uh, speaking to us for the coming year in our church and things that are coming up. You'll notice in the, in the slides, in the announcement slides, that there are some things happening and scheduling, so make sure you get those things on your calendar. One of the things that we've started implementing again this week is our Uh, Instead of doing a weekly bulletin, we have a monthly newsletter, so you'll start seeing those. Uh, I believe those are at the info desk. Um, I believe those are at the info desk. Yes, okay. (laughs) So those are out there. You can get those uh, with all of the upcoming stuff, and January's will be out soon. Um, And then, going into 2021, I want you to think about uh, re-engaging. How do you re-engage? You know, many people are still joining us online, and uh, some of you are back in the building, and what does re-engaging look like for you in 2021? Volunteering, serving, finding a place to connect. Uh, many of you have been faithful serving in the grocery distribution. We, we had another excellent uh, distribution this week. It was awesome. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I think every area, every one of our uh, volunteer areas needs volunteers with the shift and uh, routine. You know, people say, well, what happened, you know, with the church and COVID? What you know, what really happened that's caused, you know, the fluctuation? And what really happened, if you think about for three months, uh, every, if not longer, some folks are still on this mode, but, but at minimum for three months, everybody was, the entire routine, what was normal for us 
got put on hold. And so what was normal routine, everybody pressed pause on normal routine. And we still haven't really got back to whatever normal was. And we probably won't ever go back to whatever that normal was. But whatever the case is, now we're, we're back uh, getting into some normalcy of what, what things look like. And not everybody has turned off the pause button. And there was a, instead of hitting the pause button, some people just went ahead and hit the reset button. And uh, so they're rebooting and resetting. So wherever you're at, whether you hit the reset or the pause or you're pressing play or you still have a blank monitor screen that's flashing at you <laughs> and you're not real sure where you're at in the world today, uh, we are looking for you to engage uh, in every way possible. We want you to be part of the family of God. So amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to receive this morning's tithes and offerings uh, speaking of re-engaging, we're, we're going to receive our tithes and offerings this morning, and John chapter 3 is where we're going, a very familiar passage of scripture, but as we're thinking about the Christmas seasons, we're thinking about Christ coming, here we find the story, and I, I don't want to take a long time here, because um, I, I really want to see our kids and our youth uh, perform, minister this morning, but we find the, how many of you remember Nicodemus? Wave at me if you remember Nicodemus. Not everybody waved. So either you're not reading your Bible, you haven't been in church very long, or you're a guest today. So how many of you, let's try that again. How many of you remember Nicodemus? Wave at me. There you go. There you go. I see offering plates waving. Woo! <laughs> Blessed offering plates today. Nicodemus comes, he's a Pharisee, and he comes to Jesus by night. He's under the cloak of darkness. He doesn't want to be seen. He doesn't want... His, his Pharisee brothers, he doesn't want the boys to see him coming to Jesus asking about salvation. Now, it's interesting. I, I don't want to go, I don't want to preach this morning. I just want to encourage you. But what's interesting about Nicodemus is that he publicly, he's, he's coming to Jesus privately by night. But something happens in Nicodemus's life as a result of this moment. Something happens in Nicodemus' life as a result of what we read here in John chapter 3. And the man who came to Jesus privately at Jesus' crucifixion came publicly and took his body off of the cross. So something transpired, something happened in Nicodemus' heart in this moment. And what was it? You know, Jesus talks to him about being born again, and Nicodemus said, I don't understand. I don't get it. What do you mean you got to be born again? And John 3.16, very famous verse that we all read and many people take out of context, but I want to read it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. Somebody needs to shout. Do you have everlasting life this morning? I, I have eternal life and I'm excited about it, but God so loved the world that he gave. As we think about this Christmas season, he gave not just, you know, the little bit of gold that was maybe stored up in the, in the storage room in heaven. He didn't give, you know, oh, you know what, let's get the best lamb. Let's get the lamb that we've, we've raised here in heaven for this moment. Let's get that lamb and we'll send that gift. Or, you know, Gabriel, how about you go? We'll, we can do without Gabriel, right, boys? We can do without Gabriel. You go. Uh, we can handle this. We got this. No, he said, I'm going to give my best. I'm going to give my only son. My unique son, the son that, that's been with me from the beginning of the ages, before the, the foundations of the world, before there was time began. I'm going to give him this precious 
little baby boy, I'm going to give my son to you. He gave his very best to you and I. And so today, as we give our tithes and our offerings, we recognize the gift that Christ gave you and I. And, and we don't give begrudgingly. You know, God didn't say, well, you know, if you do this, this, and this, and this, I'll give him. No, he gave him willingly, fully. Christ came, emptied himself, laid down his life for you and I. And so we give cheerfully. We give joyously today, knowing that the, the God who gave us Christ, will he not with him freely? Everybody say that word, freely. 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 Will, uh, will he not give us freely all things in Christ? So we know as we give today, if he gave us Christ, he gives us freely all things that you and I need. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that with Christ we are seated in heavenly places. Lord, you have given to us all things necessary for life, godliness, spiritual blessing, holiness, righteousness. Lord, resources, talents, the anointing to create wealth. Lord, you have empowered and anointed your overflowing in our lives today. Thank you, Jesus, for your blessing. Bless your people today as they give. Lord, let your abundance be on their homes and their resources, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our kids are coming this morning.
Well, I'm not sure how I'm going to follow that. I'm supposed to preach. (laughs) Why don't you stand with me this morning? Pastor Grace, are you up here? I'm sorry, can we, I'm going to put you on the spot. Can we, um, oh, what my eyes have seen, can you go back to that? That'd be great. Oh, what my eyes have seen, sorry. Thank you, Lord. You know, it's Christmas season, and our tendency, if we're not careful, when it comes to the Christmas season, is that we get our eyes on the gifts that we purchase what we're doing, where we're going, are we staying at home, what's COVID doing with our plans these, this year, and we get our eyes on all the other things, and today I want us to just look at Christ again. I want you to just let all of the mess of the world just fall off of you today. Just let all the distractions come off, whether you're here with us in the building, you're watching online. Right now, in a moment, Right, right now in this moment, let Jesus, let the, let the babe, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, let him, let him come and touch you today. Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord. Come on, pray with me this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, lift your voice in prayer. Thank you, Lord. If you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, just pray in tongues. Pray in, pray in your heavenly language. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, stir, stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of you this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your love and your mercy. It's overflowing. Jesus, 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 we worship you. Focus in our eyes this morning. Tune in, Lord. Help us to tune in to the reality of heaven, the spiritual world, the heavenly world, the kingdom of God that's all around us, Lord. Can you sing that, just Pastor Grace? Let's sing this one more time together. Give us ears to hear what your word is saying to us today. 
Give us ears to hear what you're speaking to us today. Change us, Lord. Change my life today. Change me, Lord. Can can that be your prayer today? Change me, Lord. Change me, Jesus, today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You can be seated this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. I'm going to start there. We're going to go all through Scripture. So get ready to go on a journey. But in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 is where we're going to begin. But Christ came. We've been, we've, we've been talking about Christ coming in, in the manger. That he came as a baby in the manger. He came and he went to the cross for you and I. He was, he was Christ in the feeding trough, but he was Christ on, on the cross. And today I want to take a look at the, the victory of Christ. The victory that he brought for you and I. You and I have been made victorious in Christ. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Christ. Well, I'm glad you said amen, all one of you. Thank you, Jesus. You and I were made to be victorious. Come on, you're, you, you, you need to get your, your shout on. Turn your ears on this morning. I, I'm, not, I'm not preaching some pacifier message. You and I were made to be victorious in Christ. It doesn't matter whether it's called COVID or finances or sin or whatever the issue might be. Christ has made you and me victorious. 1 Corinthians tells us that we are victorious through Christ. Deuteronomy tells us that God, your Lord, our God, goes out with us into battle to fight against our enemies, not to be losers, not to be overcome, not to be beat into submission, but we have been called to be victorious in Christ. He goes with you, he goes with me out into battle to be victorious over our enemies. Christ came, this baby came for you and me to be victorious in this life. Somebody ought to shout. That's good news. The good news, the gospel message, is not that you and I continue on in our sin, that we continue on broken and depressed and discouraged and and bound by our old carnal man. Christ came so that you and I can be victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave. The keys of death and hell have been taken from the enemy. We have victory today in Christ. In Isaiah chapter 9, it says, Unto you, unto me, a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name, listen to this, listen to his name, listen to this mighty name, listen to this victorious name. This isn't the name of of someone that is, is, is overcome by the world and sin and despair. Listen to this, his name is called Wonderful. His name is called, the, the, this, and I'm not preaching from this chapter, but I, I just have to stop. This, it means miraculous. This name, wonderful. The name, miraculous. He is miraculous. We were talking about that this morning. Oh, what my eyes have seen. You are so beautiful. You are so miraculous. You're so beautiful. You're so wonderful. His name is wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God. That, word, that mighty God is El Gabar. It's he is the warring God. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He came as a baby, but he's our warrior king. He's, he goes out to battle and wins every war that he sets out to. 
Do you hear me this morning? He doesn't engage in the battle for your soul with the idea that he's going to lose. He knows that he is victorious. He's conquered over sin for your life. He's the, he's the mighty God. He's the warrior God. He's the everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. <laughs> of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it, to establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal, I love this, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Our God is a victorious God. He's victorious in your life. He's victorious over death. He's victorious over sin. He's victorious in your family. I want you to think about this morning. Where do you need to see the victory of God at in your life? As we come and peer into the manger, as we come and we look at this son that was given for you and I, you might miss the warrior king laying in the manger. You know, the, the, the Jewish people, were, they were looking for a conqueror. They were looking for their warrior king, but they didn't expect to see him in a manger. And we, we, are, we are guilty just as they are because we, we oftentimes peer into the manger and we see this sweet child laying in the feeding trough thinking, how, how could he bring victory in my life? How could this situation turn into victory for me? How could Romans 8, 28 work out for my good and his glory happen in this? He's just a baby after all. He's just a baby in the manger after all. No, friend, he is the conquering Mighty God, warring king on your behalf and mine. I'm preaching a lot better than you're shouting this morning. He's victorious for you and I. It, it's, you know, it's, it's real easy for us to, to look into that manger and miss and miss what's laying there. This isn't just a baby. Oh yeah, he's a baby. Oh yeah, he was, he was a baby but, and, and he was destined to die. But not only was he a baby coming into this world, destined to die, he came and he's coming again as the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the conquering King, and he's ruling all things by the word of his power for you and I. Think about what in your life are you continuing around the same mountains in? What situations are you going around the same cycles, the same issues, the same hang-ups, the same hurts? The same fears, the same worries, the same, I, I am, I'm going to preach whether you amen me or not. The same thing going around the same mountains, he came to make you victorious. You don't have to keep going around the same issues. You don't have to keep being haunted by your past. You don't have to keep being haunted by the drive to be successful in this life. Come on, somebody. He came to make you victorious. And when we look at the world around us, and we look at the situations around us, we, we can get our eyes fixated on the problem and not the one who's come to, to deal with the problem. Christ came at the outset, think about this, from the outset of his ministry, he is a king. And he's conquering and ruling victorious over all things. Go all the way back. John 1 tells us all the way back before there was time that he was with God. 
and was God. He was ruling and reigning before creation ever came into existence. Newsflash, creation and the fall of man did not disrupt the plans and the purposes of God. Newsflash, when Adam sinned, it didn't knock God off of his throne. When Adam messed up, it didn't shock God. He had a plan before the foundation of the world called redemption for you and I. He knew that was going to happen. And there was a plan in place. There was a plan of redemption for me and for you in place. It's called the victorious plan of God. Yeah. So all the way back, he was ruling and reigning as God. When he came as a baby... Think about those in that moment, the players in that scene. You have the shepherds who come and fall down and worship before him. It wasn't Herod. It wasn't the rulers of the day. It wasn't the the noblemen of the day. It was the shepherds. It was the nasty, smelly, stinky shepherds who were covered in sheep manure and smelled like dirty sheep. And they came and they bowed and they worshiped before him. He didn't call the the royalty and the princes of the day to come and bow. He called those who were broken. He called those who were out in the fields. He called those who were scattered out in the fields to come and worship, to come and bow. And he's still calling today to you and to me and to all who are lost, all who are broken, saying, come and worship, come and worship, come and bow. Come and bow and worship and watch victory in your life. The the angels sang <laughs> what that must have sounded like. I thank God for our worship team, but 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 to have the angels sing, <laughs> have the angelic choir. We've tasted just a little bit of that. We we often talk about the night the angels sang in service, but and that was just that was a that was a part that was just a that was a taste when the angels sang but but there there this was an angelic host of angels singing out in the expanse of the sky worshiping the coming king wise men came and brought him gifts herod wanted to kill him how how do we know that christ came as a king because herod didn't want any competition He wanted to take out his competition. He's been a king. He is a king. He will always be victorious. We live in a day and a time that is full of evil. Evil has risen. Like the mountains, it has risen. The the evilness of this world is heaped up and heaped upon evil upon evil. Satan has exalted himself against Christ. There's been heaps of evil. And you look at the world around us. You look at the carnality. Look at the depravity around us. And the working of the devil and the, the effects of sin. It's heaped upon heap. Mountainous heaps of evil. The devil has risen up against Christ in pride. He tried to overthrow heaven, create chaos in heaven. He was successful in the fall of of angels. Isaiah tells us how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground. You who weaken the nations, you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. He wanted to ascend above God. 
And we've seen his effects in this life. We see that, that this pride and this ego that he has called the, caused the fall of our first parents. He caused the, the ruin of the race of humanity. He, he exposed mankind to all sorts of calamity and sin and sickness. There's eternal ruin in mankind. And men have fallen away from the worship of their creator. And fallen in to absolute corruption. Even to the point that God said, I'll send a flood and destroy them all. Nations rise up and sacrifice in, in evil. They worship evil. All around, even today, they worship evil. Even to the point that we offer children, and they, we still do this today. They did it in, in, in the Old Testament, we still do it today, offering their children on the sacrifice to evil. He came to exalt himself against Christ's coming. He's turned men to hate and despise Christ. That he, he manipulated men to betray and to torture and to mock and murder Christ. He brought about persecution on the church. Is this making you happy this morning? He brought about persecution. Just hang with me. He brought about persecution and affliction upon the church. Even to the point where the church was at the brink of destruction. Remember Nero, who was impaling Christians and, and lighting them on fire while they were still living. Yeah, th those aren't just stories that really happened. 200,000 Christians are martyred every year presently. He's created affliction for the church. Guilt has risen. The guilt of one sin, the guilt, just think about your sin, the guilt of your sin. One sin holds you to the, to the destructive nature of that sin. It haunts you, it taunts you, it torments you. But it's not just one sin. The guilt of humanity's sin has risen as any higher than any mountain. It reaches out to heaven and cries out as a testimony against the depravity of man before God. There's, it's not just a little bit of guilt. It's infinite guilt. And the weight of that guilt is upon humanity. We see the effects of of that guilt. We see the effects of the sin upon mankind. Even if you were just guilty of one sin, just one thing, it's enough to condemn your soul to hell. But it's the guilt of every sin, the guilt of every human has mounted up before God. Think about, just example, how many idle words do you say in a day? And the Bible says that for every idle word, you will be judged. Multiply that times your lifespan. Let's say 32,000 days. How many idle words have you spoken, even maybe today, that the Bible says are against you? They're speaking out as a testimony against you. The world is loaded with the weight and the guilt of sin. Are you feeling uncomfortable yet? But in all these things, Christ is still victorious. In all of the sin, in all of the depravity of man, he is still reigning and ruling victorious. Think about, 
the corruption of man. In Romans chapter 3, it says this, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, not one. (laughs) Their throat, listen, their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This is a description of humanity. Men have become agents of sin, agents of uncleanness, pride, deceit, injustice, immorality, blasphemy, hate, murder. The list goes on. Jeremiah says the heart is deceitfully wicked and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah tells us that people have committed two evils. God said they have forsaken, they have forsaken cisterns, the living water, the living water, the fountain of living water. Do you hear that? They have forsaken the fountain of living water for what? Broken cisterns that hold no water. We live in days where we teach generational cycles of sin. We teach sin, patterns of sin, behaviors of sin to the next generation. And the cycle continues. The depravity continues. But in all these things, Christ still reigns victorious. Wicked leaders have risen, influenced by the devil, to influence numbers of people throughout the world. They're ruling over nations and empires and kingdoms in an effort to gain wealth, pride, and power. But they're ruling by the spirit of the Antichrist. And they have become drunk with the blood of Christian martyrs. 2 Thessalonians tells us, let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless there is a falling away first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. So that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Revelation even talks about the alliance between the false church and the Antichrist. That that this false church, in the sake of gaining uh, influence and power, will make an alliance with with the government, the national, I'm not talking about America. It's worldwide, make an alliance with this worldwide rule of the Antichrist for the sake of of convenience. Affliction and persecution against God's people has increased. People have become fully hateful and vengeful to anything Christian. First Peter tells us, Beloved, do not think it strange when the fiery trial of persecution, which is to try you, don't think that strange. As though some strange thing happened. Don't don't think it odd or weird when the persecution comes against you. Think about when when Peter was writing this. He was writing in a time where he he was in Rome where Nero was ruling and he was about to be killed himself. Don't think it's strange when you face this persecution. Death continues in this world. Who can escape death? Death is certain. We all will face it one way or the other. It devours mankind 
death overtakes all of us at some point. From, from ashes to ashes, you and I will go. Romans tells us that the wages of sin is death. Because of sin, death has come into the world. Matthew tells us that brother will betray brother to death. Romans 5 says, just as though one through, man, through one man sin entered into the world and death through that sin. But in all these things, Christ still reigns victorious. I want you to understand this morning that we are all around. We have to understand what we've been given victory from. There is, there is a heap of guilt that is against you. Death is against you. The world is against you. All of these things. That all of these th Think about this for a moment. Think about the sin. The, if, if the snare of sin wasn't enough, think about the impacts and the effects of sin and what it has on our lives. And insert, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. In a time of depravity, in a time where things are broken, in a place where you may feel in despair, where you feel like the guilt of this world, the guilt of your sin has mounted. Christ has stepped into creation for you and I. God has come. He didn't send an angel. He came himself and stepped in for you and I to bring redemption to you and I. Redemption breaks the power of every evil stronghold. Death is broken in redemption. Guilt is broken in redemption. The power of sickness and disease is broken in redemption. All of the things, all of the weights, the slavery that you have endured because of sin and the depravity of humanity is broken in the power of Jesus Christ. He's given us a way of escape. He's given us healing. He's given us his blessing. He's given us spiritual gifts. He's made us aware that you and I are sons and daughters. He sealed us to the day of redemption. He's given us the spirit of sonship and adoption. Hello, somebody. Christ has come and made you and I victorious. It's the plan of redemption. The plan of redemption. Though guilt be mounted against you, you can stand at the mountain of guilt that faces you. Just as Jesus said, if you just have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can speak to that mountain, be cast into the sea. And you can stand at the mountain of your guilt and say today that it is cast into the sea of forgetfulness. God remembers it no more, and neither should I. It's under the blood. His blood has cleansed my conscience clean. He's made me new. He's prevailed over every evil. Think about this. That, G, that, that the, devil, the devil thought he was manipulating people, humanity, to bring about the best plan of evil ever, of all time. To destroy God's Christ. To destroy the very manifest person of the Godhead. To annihilate him, to kill him. But it's the very thing. Colossians 2.15 tells us that having disarmed the principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumph, triumphing over them in it. 
So when Jesus, you see, when we look at the cross, we, we look at oftentimes the cross as a place of sadness and, and despair. And, and, and to, to the natural eye, it looks that way. To the natural, it looks like a, it's a place of death and despair and discouragement. But through the spiritual eyes, we look at that and say, that is a place of triumph. That is a place of victory. That's where Jesus took the record of wrongs that was against me. That's where he took the plan of the devil and he nailed it to a cross. He made public spectacle of the devil and basically said, nah, 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 nah. you thought you could destroy me. You thought you were going to destroy and hold on to my people, but I've come to liberate them. I've come to set them free, and I'm making a public spectacle of you. I don't know if you've ever, you know, if you've ever been bullied before by somebody, but it's always nice when somebody steps in for you. It's always nice when somebody, you know what I'm talking about? Somebody steps in for you and handles the bully for you and makes a public spectacle. I have stories about this. I won't tell them. <laughs> I, I had a couple flash through my mind. I don't know. I probably shouldn't say this. I wasn't, being, I wasn't the bully, just so you know. I wasn't being bully. I was the, I'm going to step in and make, make things right. Yeah, aw. <laughs> Isaiah 61 says, instead of your shame, you shall have a double honor. Say that, double honor. <laughs> instead of your shame. He's brought victory over your shame. You were guilty and the shame of that, I, I don't know if you've ever been in a courtroom before, but watch as, as people are condemned in their guilt and the shame, that, that, that look of shame that comes over their face for their sin. And that, that shame, maybe, maybe there's shame that, that has clouded your mind, has affected you, shame over things that you've done or said. Not only are you guilty, but there's shame that comes with some of those things. But Christ says instead of your shame, he gives you double honor. I want to tell you something today. If, you, if you're carrying shame from decisions that you've made or things that you've said or done, that Christ removes the shame, cleanses your conscience. He removes the shame and gives you double honor. You were... I, I, that you, you, you see... You, you, you might not understand this because you've never been, you've never really been made aware of how guilty you really were. Maybe, maybe you don't under, maybe, maybe you're not excited about that this morning because you don't really understand how guilty you really were. You and I are absolutely, maybe I should remind you, guilty of sin. And we, I, I want you, to, we, we use that word so flippantly. In church a lot, you're, you're sinners saved by grace. And there's sin, the guilt of sin. Disobedience toward God. Disobedience toward God that condemns you to eternal judgment. I stick my hand uh, accidentally on something that's hot and I feel in its, ow, and you, know, you, get a, you get a blister and it burns. But we're talking about eternal damnation, eternal judgment. Some people say it's the absence of God. I, I would tend to lean to say 
maybe it's not so much the absence, but the absolute fury of God. Because David tells us, where can I go from your presence? Where can I hide? If I go down to the depths of hell, you're still there. So, so I would suggest that maybe, just maybe, hell is the absolute fury of God and his judgment upon sin. Think about a holy, absolutely perfect person, God. And your sin is absolutely detestable. He can't even look upon it. His own son was being crucified and he had to look the other way. Can't look upon your sin. We are absolutely guilty and the shame of that guilt, the shame of that sin is upon us. It's upon humanity. And the only way to remove it, the only way to get rid of that is to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. I know we don't like talking about blood in the New, New Age church, but it's the only thing that can get the stains out. It's the only thing. It's better than OxyClean. It can really do a deep work and get the stain of your soul right. Christ came in the middle of man's corruption, in the middle of man's sin, and said, I will give you double honor instead of your shame. Instead of shame, You'll have honor. I'll exalt you into places that you had no business being exalted to. And what does that mean? It's not just in the natural. Yeah, God will put you in places in the natural. And we use this often in the natural. But he will give you double honor before him. We're talking about honor before God. Where, you, where God needed to look the other way. Didn't even need to acknowledge you because of your sin. Now you have double honor honor in Christ, where you can come boldly before the throne of grace, where in your time of need, you can come boldly before God. You can, you can approach his throne with boldness and confidence that he hears you and he hears your prayers, not because of who you are, but because of the honor that Christ has placed on your life. He's given you double honor. That, that the Father will hear you, that your prayers are heard, that you have a place at the table of the Lord. Instead of confusion, Isaiah 61 says, instead of confusion, you will rejoice in your portion. Therefore, in your land, you shall possess double and everlasting. Everybody say that. Everlasting. Everlasting joy shall be yours. Everlasting joy. I love that. Everlasting joy. Not depression, not discouragement, not fear, not anger. Everlasting joy. The joy of the Lord is my... Y'all reading your Bible. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Yeah. Put that on for Christmas. Put that on for Christmas. Take off the clothes of despair and, and worry and hopelessness and be clothed with the joy of the Lord. Everlasting joy. Everlasting joy. Revelation tells us he covers the nakedness of our shame. Ha <laughs> Thank God he covers us. Isaiah 35 tells us a highway will be there. A highway. I want you to get the image of, of a highway. And it will be called the highway of holiness. 
The unclean will not pass over, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks on this road, although a fool, shall not go astray. I want you to think about this highway of holiness. You and, you and I are on, on a highway. We're on a road called holiness. You and I are on a road called holiness. Where God is changing you. He's covered the, the shame. He's covered your nakedness. He's covered your, your disgust. He's given you honor. He's given you joy. He's given you peace. And he's given you holiness. He's get, man, think about that. The very things that you used to detest. The things that, that you would look at Christians and judge them about. The things that you wouldn't want anything to do. Listen, you get up in the morning and think about your drink. Think about your sin. Think about, and you just continue on in your sin every day. Continue on in your apathy every day. Continue on in your lukewarmness and your religious garbage every day. Continuing on. But Christ came and put you on a highway, changed you, and every step you take, he's transforming your life. From glory to glory to glory, he's changing and transforming you. That is my victorious king. That is my victorious Lord. That he not only steps into humanity and rescues me, not only does he come to broken, fallen mankind to rescue and to redeem, but he puts me on his path called holiness and changes me every step of the way. I didn't deserve it, but he changes me, blesses me, and teaches me how to live and to walk in his kingdom. I'm no longer walking according to the kingdoms of this world, but I'm walking on a highway called holiness. And it's marked by the kingdom signs along the way. When you, walk, when you drive down the road, when you, when you drive down the interstate, and you see, what, there's speed signs, there's, what, there's exit here for this road, do this, do that, don't do that, right? There's signs all along the way. God gives, isn't it awesome? God gives us signs all, I don't know who this is for, this is for somebody. But every, every step along the way, God gives us road signs all along the way to let us know we're on the right path. Uh, not, only does he, not only does he fill us with it, man, I'm on a happy journey. I, I'm on a joyful journey. I'm on a journey of peace. I'm walking according to the kingdom law. I, it's all good. There's no, there's no trickster police officers waiting around the corner trying, because there's no need, because we're walking in holiness. We're not speeding. So, <laughs> yeah, so anyway, so we'll just keep, we're walking down the highway of holiness, walking according to kingdom principles, and he even gives us signs along the way to say, you're, you're on the right place. You're going the right direction. Keep on. Keep on. See up ahead. There's a sign up ahead. It's talking about your, your destination. You've been, forget the things that are behind. Press on to that which is ahead that you may obtain Christ. You're on the way. You're on the right journey. Not only does he overcome the guilt, the shame, the corruption, and the depravity of man, but he's overcome death for you and I. In Hebrews chapter 2, it says, through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. That Christ, through his death and resurrection, destroyed the power of death. In 1 Corinthians, it tells us, Behold, I tell you a mystery, that we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. 
For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. For this corruptible, I'm telling you, I'm going to preach myself happy this morning. For this corruptible, this, this that is under the curse, this that is broken, this, this, this thing right here, that's, that's flesh and under the curse is broken has been made victorious in Christ. You, you look at this and you can, you, you know, I look at some of the doctors and such, and how, you, you see the, you know, you see these things all the time, the flesh illnesses, the flesh curse, you see it all the time. You go to the doctor and you hear about this or that illness, that disease or this thing or whatever. But this, even though it's wasting away, this, even though it's being destroyed and decaying, is declared victory, declared victorious in Christ. This, there's coming a day, it's going to go in the grave. If I don't go in the rapture, there's coming a day, it's going to go in the grave. And it's going give it, to give it a good, you know, couple weeks and it'll be back to dust. Give, it, give my bones a, a, a few years and they'll be brittle and my clothes will be wasted away. Decaying away. And we look at that. Yeah, I'm painting a picture for you. I love painting word pictures. Think about it. And then that, which we would say is disgusting. I mean, you go into a funeral home. You don't want anything to do with the funeral. Funeral directors, let them, that's, that's their, we don't want to talk about that, you know. We don't want to, we try to ignore it. It's reality. It happens. There's, there's people that make a lot of money off of you dying. Yeah. They're prepared for you to go to the grave. They've got a space just for you. They're waiting for you to come into their building. I, if you don't believe me, go out to one of the funeral homes. They're ready for you. They got freezers. They got it all ready. Try to paint a picture. Under the curse. Do you hear it? We are under the curse in this life. But Christ has made you and I victorious. Even though my body may waste away, the Bible tells me there's coming a day where there is a trumpet going to sound. We just read it. And in a twinkling, in an atomic second, this body that has been under the curse has wasted away, will be transformed, changed, and glorified. And so shall I ever be with the Lord. So, 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 so Christ dealt with this thing called, called death. He's the resurrection and the life. Oh, Lazarus. Tell Lazarus about this. He was dead. He was stinking dead. You thought I was bad. The Bible gets pretty gruesome. He was stinking dead, and the grave clothes were sticking to him. He had, an, he had been gone for a while. But they, Jesus said, call him out of the tomb anyway. I am the resurrection and the life. Oh, I believe in that day. No, 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 no. You, you missed something. I am now, presently, the resurrection and the life. Not only can he bring life to your body on that day, and he will, but he brings, the Bible says, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is dwelling on the inside of you and I. If the same spirit... <laughs> If the same spirit, 
want you to think about this. My goodness. Why, why, why do we look at COVID and get worried? I love the, I, I, you know. Whether, whether I die or I live is Christ. Whether I live or die, it doesn't matter. I'm good. I don't, I mean, yeah, I'd like to live, you know, whatever the fullest extent of my life is. But I'm not worried. I've got reservations in a heavenly home. There's a meal prepared. I can't wait to eat my heavenly. But beyond all that, I can't wait to see Jesus. I can't wait to see the one who's got nail scars in his hand. I can't wait to see the one who was crucified and resurrected. The one who's securing my salvation. Y'all are good, but I can't wait to see him. I know we talk about seeing our loved ones in heaven and you know that that's all good. Y'all are great. But I'm not going to heaven for you. <laughs> that's all I got to say. I ain't going for you. I thank God for you and I hope you is going. The more that I look the more that I look at the the church today and the statistics of the Bible, if it's true 50% go and 50% stay, would not shock me one little bit. But I hope you're going. I've been telling you truth now for six years. I hope you are going. I hope the truth has brought forth heart. But whether or not you're there, I ain't worried. Y'all pastor. I've got, my, I've got my plans made. I'm going to go sit down in front of the throne. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to worship. I, I, that's all. I'm good. Y'all get to heaven. It's the best place you want to be. But I am going with or without you. <laughs> I was thinking the other day, I know I'm, I'm totally off my notes and media is probably trying to follow me where I'm at. <laughs> I was thinking about the other day, there's this friend of ours, uh, her name's Donna. When I, first, when I first met her, at our church in New Orleans, when I first, actually, I didn't even meet her, when I first saw her, I, my thought of her was this, oh, she's one of those special fruit, fruit and nut cereals in the church, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> she's one of those. And, uh, you know, every church has got their Quaker Oats, and I, I thought for sure she was, I thought for sure she was in the mixed bag. So, anyway, because, and the reason why is when I first saw her, she was, she was at the front, and she was worshiping her heart out. But, and she was dancing and spinning and rejoicing. I mean, she was, she was she, it looked like she was in tune with the band. Like, she could have been the choir director of the, of the worship. I mean, she, was, she had her arms going just in time. I mean, I, and I thought, oh, boy, she's special, isn't she? But then I learned her story. And I, and I heard her, her story about God, and she was probably one of the most solid people in the church. She was one of the deacons in the church, one of the most solid. I'd made assumptions and judged her because of what I saw and past experience, but that wasn't who she was. And I, she recently died, and I was thinking, the reason I'm telling the story is because I was thinking about Donna in heaven dancing and spinning around heaven, the heavenly throne. And there's, there's going to come a day where I'm going to get to heaven, and she's going to be, I'm going to see her, 
And she's going to, yeah, I'll have to duck. But she's, she's going to teach me how to really dance. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn. She's going to teach me. She's going to show me how to really worship. But I, I think about the joy and the wonders of heaven. That you and I, all we knew was destruction. All that we knew was condemnation to hell and the guilt and the weight of death. And Christ came, and he broke the power of death for you and I. And he's ruling right now, just like he did with Donna and many, many others we know. He's gathering them into heaven. He's gathering his sons and daughters together. Because there's a marriage supper of the Lamb coming. There's a wedding feast coming. There's a day where the bride of Christ is going to be presented to his church. There's a day, victorious king. He's ruling and reigning victorious. He's, I, I have 50 more pages of notes, and I'm like, how am I going to get through all this? I'm not. He's ruling and reigning providentially over your life, directing your steps. I want you to think about what Christ, this little baby, for unto us, worship team, you can come back. This little, this little baby, Christ, this little, this little baby, this little baby. I was looking for Ellie, but she's not in here, is she? She's sure out. Little baby, Ellie's little. If you haven't seen Ellie, Pastor Grace's and Joe's newborns, she's little, she's a little tiny. This little baby has brought victory. And I want to encourage you this Christmas season, if you're not careful, it's easy to bypass what seemingly seems so insignificant. Things that seem so insignificant. Oh, there's baby Ellie. Can you bring her up here? Just stand up here. Just an illustration here. Sometimes we forget how tiny. You can, you can hold her. I haven't, no, I haven't washed, I haven't sanitized, so I don't want to, little baby, little, little baby, you know, we forget sometimes how innocent and insignificant, how little insignificant this moment was with Christ, how little, thank you, I know you got to. In, in insignificant moments. And if we're not careful, those insignificant moments can pass us by. If we're not careful, those insignificant moments can pass us by. And those are the moments where Christ, 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 the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting God, the victorious one has stepped in bring victory to your life. Have you looked into that cradle and said recently, have you said lately that that's the victorious one? He's the one who's come to bring me victory. We can miss it if we're not careful. Sometimes we're looking for the fanfare, the lights, the show. We're looking for God to show up in power. Listen, I love when God shows up in power. I love it. I love, I, I, we could tell stories all day long about times that God has shown up with like a fire and 
touched people and shown up in power. And I've been hearing you talk. I love it. I love praying for people and seeing the power of God manifest and touch people's lives and change people. Pray for people for hours. Love it. Love seeing when his power comes down in worship and it, I love all of that. But if we're not careful, we'll miss the whisper. We'll miss the gentle, insignificant moment where the baby steps in and we recognize he's come to bring you victory. He's come to bring you victory through him. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Thank you, Lord. You've come. <laughs> You've come. The Lamb. The Lamb of God. <laughs> the diverse excellencies of Christ. You've come as the Lamb. You've come as the baby. But you're coming back as the lion, as the triumphant king. <laughs> you're ruling right now, Lord, over all things over every principality and power, over every step of our life, you're ruling. worship the Lord together as we close out today. But I want you to, even as you're worshiping, just ask him, say, Lord, in 2021, I'm going to walk victorious in this area of my life. Just ask him. I feel like some of you are here, you just, you know, you just hear the Lord just prompting me in this, but you've gone gone around some of the same mountains this year. The Lord is saying to you, it's time to walk in victory. Leave, 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 leave those things behind in 2020. Leave them behind. For some of you, God is causing you, calling you to step out in faith to new areas. He's stretching you know, it's Isaiah. He's stretching out your tent pegs. This coming year, he's stretching out. There's some things that you're going to do new that you've never done before. You don't feel like you're equipped. It's a little scary. God's challenging you to step out. You know exactly who you are and what God's speaking. He's already been speaking to you about it. This is just a confirmation of that, that he's, he's speaking to you to step out in some new things. Leave the past behind. Step into the new. It's okay. Embrace the new. Embrace God in the middle of the new. He'll deal with that, and he'll strengthen you for this. You hear that? He'll, he'll deal with the past. He's got it. Stop trying to fix it. You can't. And embrace, embrace him in the season. Some of you, some of you the same internal you know, again, just prompted by the Holy Spirit here. The same internal 
messages you keep telling yourself. It's like, it's just, it's on repeat. It's like you got your iPhone on repeat and the same messages keep playing over and over and over. And it's not that you even, I just hear the Lord saying, it's not that you even blame people around you. You blame yourself. You're, you're, you're playing the blame game with yourself. You're carrying the, the weight, the guilt, the shame of that. That's what we just talked about, that the Lord's come to remove that shame and that guilt and give you double honor. Remove that to give you double honor. You don't have to keep carrying it. Matter of fact, one of the things I'm going to, I know I'm gonna, we're going to worship in a second, but I just I really sense the Lord dealing with people. Um, in the new year, probably in January, I'm going to start a, a preach a series on living the kingdom life and talk about some of these things. Stop. God wants you to, that's, that's your old nature. That, that's your old nature. That's not the kingdom life. To put those same messages on repeat, blame, the shame, the cycles. That's that's what the Bible, that's what Paul taught us in Romans was picking up slavery. Spirit of slavery. Yikes. We've heard in recent days, we've heard a lot about that. Probably, you know, you know what I mean? The Bible talks a lot about it too. And one of the admonishments that the Bible tells us is not to pick that up again. You've been liberated from that. Don't pick that up again. Some of you, you're, this year, you've been cycling the blame. I just, it's like the Holy Spirit just yelling at me. That it's, He's not, but it's, that, it's like that intense. The blame has got to stop. You can't change what happened. I'm speaking to somebody this morning just by the word of the Lord that you can't change what happened. You can't change people's response. Matter of fact, I would even venture to say that the Lord ordered the steps of that thing to happen the way that it did. Not for the sake of just causing conflict, but to work in you. He doesn't waste a thing working in you in that instance. Someone else you've been carrying, I, I just, it's, you know, it's funny when the Lord does this because I, I was getting ready to walk off the platform and I was like, okay, I'm good. And the Lord just says, no, I'm, I'm, I want to talk for a minute. There, there's someone you've been here today, depression, discouragement has been so heavy on you. And matter of fact, this is probably applied to a couple of people, but depression and discouragement this year has been so heavy for you. That there's, you've contemplated, how, can I just give up? Even thoughts about, I'll just go to heaven, you know, can I just go to heaven? I'm ready to, I'm just ready to end this cycle. Nobody knows. Matter of fact, to whom I'm speaking with, nobody even knows that you've had those thoughts. The Lord does. 
He knows every thought. He knows every tear. The Bible says he bottles every tear. He knows every tear that you've cried this year. He knows. He knows. And he cares. And so right now, you know, this, this interruption, it's not really an interruption, but this moment, <laughs> God's just saying, hey, as you're going into 2021, I, I know all those thoughts. I know all of those moments. And I'm walking in it. We look to Christ. Someone else this morning, I, I, I apologize. Thank you for your patience with the Holy Spirit this morning. He's, he's speaking. Someone else this morning, you've been asking yourself, where do I fit? Where do I fit? Where do I belong? Because of whatever has happened in your life, I, I don't know the story. And the Holy Spirit's not sharing that. He's just telling that question, where do I fit? because of what has happened, what's transpired, you don't feel like you fit anywhere. You feel like you don't fit anywhere. You don't feel, you don't feel like you fit in. You feel, you know, belonging. I want to encourage you. Psalms 1 says to get planted, to stay planted in the house of the Lord. Get planted, stay planted, stay rooted in the house of the Lord. That's where you belong. That's where you find the reality of communion, fellowship, it's in that safe space that you really discover your identity and who God's made you to be. So though you may feel like you don't fit or don't belong, get planted. You're in transition. That's, that's all that's happening. You're in transition. You're changing. You're going from one place to the next. God has you leaving your Egypt, going into your promised land. That's all it is. He's, he's called you out of one into a place of promise. And, and you feel like you don't fit or you don't belong, you haven't connected because you're in change. You're moving from this to that. And this, the promised land, is a whole lot better than that bondage in that Egypt. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.